0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofa Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofa TV to download and share. Yes, I want to make an agreement with you. I'm going to pray for you that the Lord forgive you for all these exaggerations you told about me. <laughs> But then I want you to pray for me, that the Lord forgive me, because I enjoyed it so much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (coughs) Uh, (coughs) Thank you, it's been so wonderful to be with you. We trust the Lord that He will speak to us this morning in a very special way. The uh, title of my message is. Hmm. (coughs) I'm going to talk to you about salvation and what it leads to, and what should our response be to such a great salvation. Now, please bear with me. I'm going to read a long scripture to you. Well known, but I want you to listen carefully. So, from Isaiah 52, it says, See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man and he will cleanse or startle many, many nations Isaiah 53 1 two, 3 who has believed our message to whom has the lord revealed his powerful arm my servant grew up in the lord's presence like a tender green shoot like a shoot like a root in the dry ground there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we would be healed all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. He He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many To be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. My brothers and sisters, I think this is the most vivid description in scripture of what Christ suffered for our salvation. Can we just pray? Father, we confess it so often we just read over these scriptures and we just glide over them not realizing the tremendous price that your son had to pay for our salvation Lord and to think that at the stage he cried out my father why have you forsaken me when you had turned your back on Him. That must have been like descending into the deepest pit of hell to be removed from the presence of God. And yet He did it all for us. And I can just only imagine when one day we all Have to stand before him. What will we do? Will we dance for you, Jesus? Will we fall on our knees? Will we shout hallelujah? We can only imagine. Thank you for this great salvation. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen we usually read what we believe instead of believing what we read. Let me give you an example. For many, many years, whenever I read about water baptism, I would immediately saw in my mind's eye, I saw a father and mother standing in front of the pulpit with a baby in the arms and being sprinkled. Yet, I read that they went into the water and came out of the water. They were put under. But my, I believed the first picture, that was the right one. And if I, if I think of the movie, uh, the Jesus movie, that has been so successful all over the world, yet I believe the passion of the Christ is the one that really is nearer to the truth of what Christ has suffered for us. Now, Jesus' final journey to the cross was our new beginning. And to think that this journey to the cross started right at the beginning of the creation of man. While Adam and Eve were still crunching and munching the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden... Jesus was already on his way to Calvary. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. But unfortunately, we have made salvation so cheap and so easy. Of course, salvation is a free gift from God, but it is going to cost you your life. And let's just go for a moment to witness what was perhaps the most saddest and most dramatic night in history. The scene is very simple. There's a grove of olive trees. The ground is cluttered with large rocks. There's a low stone fence. It's a very dark night. And there we see a lonely solitary figure flattened the ground face stained with dirt and tears and fists pounding the hard earth eyes wide with fear hair matted with sweat and drops of blood on his forehead that is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane I can remember as a child we had a, a photograph hanging in our house Of Some of you may have seen this. It's a portrait of Christ in the garden, kneeling beside a big rock, snow-white robe, hands peacefully folded in prayer, and a look of serenity and peace on his face, and a halo around his head, and a light shining out of heaven. That was his idea of what happened on that night. The painter surely didn't use the gospel of Mark as as his guide. Because when Mark wrote about that painful night, he used phrases such as these. Horror and dismay came over him. He says, my heart is ready to break with grief. The New English Bible Says he went a little forward, threw himself on the ground. Mark 14, verse 34 says, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Mark describes the scene as it really was. We see an agonizing, straining, and struggling Jesus. We see a man of sorrow. We see a man struggling with fear, wrestling with a commitment and yearning for relief because he cries out, My Father, if you will just let this cup pass me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Yes, we see him with a broken heart. But we make it so easy for people with the sinner's prayer for people to enter the kingdom of God. Yet Jesus seemed to have gone out of his way to discourage people from following him. People want to follow him just for the benefit that will befall them. Matthew 8, verse 19, Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Matthew 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell or the road that leads to destruction is broad and his gate is wide for the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road difficult only a few find it. Yet in our approach to unbelievers, we encourage them to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by saying, come to Jesus while every eye is closed and every head is bowed. Now nobody looks around now. And just slip quietly into the kingdom of God. Or we say, accept Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Now, who wants to refuse such an invitation? Luke 18, verse 18 23. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now I wonder. When I was led to Christ and they told me this, I wonder whether I would have said yes to Christ. Of course, God doesn't expect everyone to give away all their money. But God knew that this man, money was his God. The price of our salvation was very radical. The death of the only begotten Son of God. And you and I have to stop trying to be Christians. But we have to die to self. Die to our ambitions, our hopes, our plans, our families, our friends our jobs, our possessions, country and culture, until it does not matter whatsoever what God wants to do with your life. Such a radical salvation requires a radical commitment from us. Now I know there are a lot of young people here this morning but I'm still so young and I still want to enjoy life. Now you went and told you how old I am, but at 80, when I look back at my young life, then I just think, wasted years. Wasted years. How foolish. Had I only started serving God from this age, what would my relationship have been with Christ now? You cannot compare what the world can offer to what Christ can give you. That's why when Christ cried out, hanging on that cross, "It is finished, He had fulfilled all the requirements of His Father for the remission of all the sins of this whole world and for our salvation. There's absolutely nothing that you and I can add or do to to the perfect work on the cross of Calvary. That's why when we pray for our salvation, God does not tell us to Ask, ask us to, to ask the Lord to forgive our sins. He merely says, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. Faith. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then no one comes to the Father but by me, because it is a done deal. Jesus is seated on the right hand of God, the Father. His work is complete. Of course, we have to confess our sins. But faith in the finished work of Christ is the most important. He is resting as we must rest in Christ. The Sabbath, which is a type or shadow of this rest, is for us to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The only thing that you and I should be asking of God in prayer is to open our our, our eyes to the finished work, to get a revelation of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, our our identities in Christ, To get a complete revelation of what has been done for us. Salvation, prosperity, deliverance, healing. And God is just waiting on us to reach out and grab it. And He wants it more for us than even what we wanted. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he seated in the place of honor bes- beside God's throne. Now just imagine the crucifixion at Calvary. The soldiers, they shoved Jesus to the ground and stretched his arms against the beams. I imagine one of them planted or pressed his knee against his forearm and a big nail on his hand. And I imagine in that moment, Jesus turned towards the nail just as a soldier was lifting the hammer to strike it. Couldn't Jesus have stopped it? Just with a flex of his forearm, he could have resisted. Is this not the same hand that calmed the sea, summoned the dead, healed the sick, touched the leper? But he did not clench his fist, and the soldier continued with his task. The hammer rang, the blood starts to drip. Then the question, why didn't Jesus resist? We reply, because he loved us. And this is true, wonderfully true, but only partially true. There is more to this reason. I believe and I imagine he saw something that made him stay. He saw the hammer. He saw the nail. He saw the, na- the soldier's hand. Yes, but he also saw that between his hand and the wood, there was a list. A long list. Of our mistakes. Our lusts and lies and greedy moments. And wasted years when we were doing our own thing. A list of our sins. The bad decisions of last year. The bad attitudes from last week. There in broad daylight for all of heaven to see. Was a list of your mistakes and my mistakes. He saw the list. He knew the price of these sins was death. He knew the source of the sins was you and me. And since he couldn't bear the thought of eternity without you and me, he chose chose the nails. And yet again, so many of the world's Christians are so close to the cross, but far from Christ. John nineteen twenty four. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. There was some dice throwing that went on at the foot of the cross. Again, imagine the following scene. The soldiers, the soldiers are huddled in a circle, their eyes turned downward. The criminal above them is forgotten, casting lots for the possessions of Christ. And he, here are some common soldiers witnessing the most uncommon event and they don't even know it. As far as they're concerned, he is just another criminal. The cross is forgotten. Doesn't this make you think of us? The The religious, those who claim heritage at the cross. I'm thinking of us. Every believer in this beautiful land of ours. The prim and proper, the loose, the strict, the simple, upper church, lower church, born-againers. We are not so unlike these soldiers. We too play games at the foot of the cross. We compete for members. We scramble for status. We deal out judgments and condemnations, competition, selfishness, personal gain. It's all there. Many so called Christians will die for the denomination or the church, but who are too ashamed to testify for or about Jesus. So close to the cross, yet so far from the blood. We major on the trivial, constantly finding fault with others. We split into huddles, and then God forbid we split again. Another name, another doctrine, another error, another denomination. If I think of Stellenbosch, I remember somewhere here in the 1980s was the first new church. It was Philadelphia. Hey. And then somewhere in 91, there was Shofar. Now it's Josh Jen, New Jen, every nation, Shammar, home churches. Yet Jesus prayed, may they all be one, one, one church, one faith, one Lord, no denominations, just Christians, no traditions, just Christ. Once upon, once upon a, a time, on the cross a creator gave his life for his creation, trusting that there will be one. In him. Now that sounds all but negative. In spite of all this, there is the good news. Christianity was a movement doomed to fail. It started with only 120 people, not very educated. Few, if any, had traveled beyond the, uh, the borders of their own country. The government was corrupt. The strategy of the movement was disastrous, but it didn't fail. It succeeded. Not only did it succeed, but it far surpassed any movement in our world's history. Within 30 years, the message of Jesus Christ had entered every port and city in the then known world. It was infectious, it was a moving uh, organism. People actually died to see it continue. They gave their all for the King and his kingdom now how about us? What about you and me? What are we doing with such a great salvation? Do you really give your all for him? Or do you just date him on weekends? Jesus Christ is looking for a bride who has an intimate, loving relationship with him. Not people who just date him over weekends listen carefully Second Timothy 2 verse 1-2 to two in the message it says, Paul's words to his disciple Timothy so my son throw yourself into this work for Christ pass on what you have heard from me to reliable, reliable leaders who are competent to teach others first Paul tells Timothy to throw himself into this work for Christ what work Disciple making. Matthew 28, 19. to all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Matthew 10, verse 1 and, uh, and 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. Gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. That is the work for Christ. And I can show you, this is Siasa's dream and his leadership, that you all get actively involved in making disciples who in turn will make disciples. I want to m- mention a few observations that I've witnessed in so many churches. Missions of today has become a people movement. Something it always was and should have been For too long, it has been a system based on keeping a handful of professional Christians on a mission field. It was a system that was created to support uh, uh, an elitist group to perform for God. While the working people became second class citizens of the kingdom. Exactly the opposite is true. You are the sharp point of the evangelistic spear. Likewise, missions is challenging our concept of church. It is not about the church, how big a church we can build or what denomination we belong to, but it is about the king and his kingdom. It is equipping the people through the ministries of the Holy Spirit to be effective where they spend most of their time, and that is not in a church building but at the places of work, the places of leisure, and with the families and friends. That is where the seeds of the kingdom are sown. Acts 26, 12 to 24. The apostle Paul appears before King Agrippa. He says to the king, it is because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in the temple and tried to kill me. They want to keep God for themselves. Aren't we doing exactly the same thing? Never challenging unbelievers with the good news of Jesus Christ. Never testifying how God had saved you. Just always Christians huddling together and attending, regularly attending church services, just so that we will not be left behind when the rapture happens. In that way, we are keeping God for ourselves. And I have a fear that the church in the West will disqualify itself from being a missionary sending region by portraying to its members a Christianity that is a nice religion, but lacks that radical edge. The most common response I've heard to sermons is something to the effect, I really enjoyed that sermon. Sermons should disturb, convict, and motivate to radical, costly obedience. But many of our church service in the West have been turned into showtime. No, my brothers and sisters, this is not the place where Christians are being entertained. This is the place where God's people are equipped for their ministry of service. Have you noticed that 95% of our sermons are just for Christians who feel bad or who've been hurt and just telling them how good they are. There's not a gospel for the unsaved anymore. And I've wondered whether people's desired results from sermons is to enjoy themselves rather than to be changed into radical disciples who will turn the world right side up for Jesus Christ listen the gospel leads to fulfillment die evangelie lay now a vervulling and the only true fulfillment in the life of a believer is when she or he leads a sinner to Christ The Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven for every lost soul who accepts Christ. Not rejoicing in heaven if we raise the dead or heal the sick. Yet we go berserk if somebody is raised from the dead or somebody is healed from the dead. And I promise you, if somebody should drop dead now and we raise them up, next Sunday there will not be place enough for people. Yet, when someone's Gives his life to Christ. No rejoicing. Yet, there's rejoicing in heaven for every sinner that comes to Christ. I can remember, maybe I've mentioned before here, in the Ukraine, we uh, we, uh, connect South African church to a Ukrainian church. We ask... South Africans to go and minister to them and so on. But there was a church there in Pottersstroom and the Doemny for 10 years uh, they give money so we're doing missionary work uh, but don't ask me to go there. You know, the red danger, the rooie gevaar, the communist niemand wil aan gaan, ook nie vir die sneeuw nie. I is ook bang vir die sneeuw vir die communiste. And, uh, and for, 10 years, for 10 years I was trying to get this Doemny to come and encourage his church there after 10 years, eventually agreed. When he, landed, when he landed at the airport, he didn't even greet me. He says, "And Johnny, I don't know what I'm doing here. I shouldn't be here. What am I going to tell these Russian people or the Ukrainian people? Uh, I shouldn't have been. I said, listen, my brother, if you don't know what to preach, tell them stories about the Kruger National Park. Tell them about stories about all our animals and all that kind of thing. But remember, at the end of the service, ask them, who wants to accept Jesus Christ? So I put him on the train with his uh, interpreter and off they went for 12 days. When he came back, I met him at the station. It was as if he was walking on a cloud and he had a halo around his head. <laughs> and I said, I said, brother, what has happened? He says, you know, I did what you said. He Sunday I led 67 people lost souls to Christ I've never ever in my ministry led one person to Christ needless to say within a year he resigned his church and went off to the mission field because there's nothing in this Christian life that compares like leading a lost soul to Christ Mark 12 and you shall love the Lord your God And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. When Jesus said that he was calling us to trade this ritual we call religion for a genuine love relationship with God and to offer to others the same kind of attention, honor and comp- compassion. We give ourselves. When he says, take up your cross and follow me, he was telling us in graphic terms that following him would require sacrifice, hardship, and death to something selfish inside of us. When he said, go into the whole world and preach the gospel, baptizing in my name and telling people all that you have heard from me, he was making it clear that his will for us includes a call to worldwide missions and evangelism. The call to love you, our neighbor, as ourselves includes, our neighbor across the globe as well as the one next door. Missions and evangelism is not just another program of the church, but it is the spiritual barometer of every true believer's heart. And 7 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourself and see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. The Bible does not give us a choice of an alternate ministry because this is for every believer. Nowhere do I read of, uh, uh, about other ministries like uh, intercession or uh, uh, counseling or whatever. That's all part and parcel of every born-again Christian's responsibility. Missions and evangelism is your calling. Someone said, a church exists by missions and evangelism, like a fire exists by burning. If there's no burning, there is no fire. If there's no missions and evangelism, there is no church. And if that is your church, you've joined a club, and you're not a member of a church. 90% of Christians have the excuse, by by nature, I'm not an evangelist. And the more I read about the the Bible, in the Bible, the more I realize that this cannot be true because the whole church is mission-oriented in her being. The Lord's purpose is centered in His bride, but the burden of His heart is continually for the lost. And if our vision and goal is to be the bride of Christ, we must become a people who experience and share the burdens of His heart for evangelism and missions. What is the mission of the church? It is go. If the church does not fulfill God's purpose to the world, Jesus' death becomes worthless. All His suffering on the cross in vain and God's redemptive plan senseless. God through Jesus Christ trusts His church enough to proclaim and demonstrate His power to all mankind. And we as the body of Christ have a massive goal to reach. Sooner or later, we all have to make a decision. Will I be God's own person, an alien and an exile in this world, but put here to have a redemptive influence? Jesus simply calls us His disciples, the bottom line, until we are ready to cross the line and live totally for the Lord, we're not going to be able to fully recognize God's will for us. So, Shofar Stellenbosch, what is your decision? When you and I stand before God, the ultimate measure of our ministry and stewardship will not be found in how many people we crammed into a building on a Sunday morning or a weekend weekend it will be measured by what, by what those people did when they left this building. I just want to close with this. There's a well-known song. It's, it's now become a golden oldie. We don't sing it anymore. The name of the song is All I Know. Words and Music by Ian White. It says, Though I feel afraid of territory unknown, I know that I can say that I do not stand alone. For Jesus, you have promised your presence in my heart. I cannot see the ending but it's here that I must start. And all I know is you have called me. That I will follow is all I can say. I will go where you send me and your fire lights away. Second verse says, What lies across the waves may cause my heart to fear. Will I survive the day? Must I leave what's known and dear? A ship that's in the harbor is still and safe from harm, but it was not built to be there. It was made for wind and storm. And my brothers and sisters, we were not created just to gather in a church building. We need fellowship, of course. We need times to just worship and praise God. But you and I need to go out into this stormy world because that is where God intends us to be where we'll be fruitful in his kingdom. Father God, we want to worship you this morning for this great salvation. How can we ever thank you enough for the death of our Lord Jesus Christ? so that all our sins could be forgiven and that our relationship with our Heavenly Father was restored because of this horrible death that you died on the cross because you loved us so much. You couldn't bear the thought, Lord, of spending eternity without us your bride oh God we haven't got enough words to describe how we feel Lord, unless we're going to break bread this morning that has also just become a routine or a custom or a program of the church never realizing that you said whenever we take of this bread and drink of this wine remember me remember what I went through for your sake so that you will forever be with me God may this just become a reality to us that your body was broken And your blood was shed on the cross so that we could be made whole and have eternal life. How great is our God? How great is our God? There's no one else like you. And we worship you with all our hearts. And Lord, unashamedly, we we confess this morning, we love you above all else In Jesus name amen thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV go to www.shepheronline.tv to download and share